Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where we are still not the official podcast of Major League Baseball, but here's hoping for 2023, but we'll see. It's uh, it's. Technically, by the time this airs, the Christmas season. So, you know, happy, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa. You just skip it right over Thanksgiving, I, aren't you? I, well, well, this is going to drop on December 11th, <laughs> so it's it's Christmas okay, season. Right. Yeah, we're, we're recording. Just caffeinators, just FYI, we're recording this actually Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, just for a timestamp. So we're not quite there yet, but it's it's. I mean, I'm decorating my apartment tonight, so it's basically the Christmas season. Uh, but we want to thank all you guys for for your continued support of the Vet Tech Cafe. Dave, we, we get so many messages. Um, yes. we, we ask caffeinators all the time about really cool, you know, guest ideas or episode ideas because we don't, obviously we don't know everybody. We don't know everything that's going on out there. And we got a couple of really great messages the last week or two and one from somebody in the UK about an episode idea. So thank you all for just continuing to write yeah. in and uh, giving us these great ideas because honestly, sometimes those are some of my favorite episodes because they're with people we perhaps will never meet, haven't met. Right. And it's something right. we, we didn't know anything about and it's just veterinary technicians blazing, you know, their own trail or as today's guests may call them unicorns. Um, if that gives you a little <laughs> bit of a hint, um, but it's just super cool to, to talk to some of these people. So thank you so much. Um, definitely keep sending in your ideas. We love them. Um, yeah. Thank you for all the support. If you're new to the Vet Tech Cafe, head over to vettechcafe.com for all of our info. Um, you can find us everywhere, your favorite podcast player, all the social media channels, all that. So definitely like and follow and subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you think. Dave, how's it going out there? What's on your mind? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, buddy. Uh, I'm I'm taking another little break here. I spent a week out in Charlotte doing a consult for a hospital. Uh, I've been working on that report today, but you know when I do the consults and like remember I was in Austin and did the recovery training, a lot of those pay a lot more than what I would normally make working shifts. So I I, I do those because I like to take a week off after, Heck and yeah. not work. Uh, so I, I do love that part. So I'm I'm kind of in the middle of my my week off for Thanksgiving. You know when I was a ER tech, time off was not something uh. that I really had a whole lot of so yeah uh, i am i am reveling in my ability to take time off now so good uh, that's what we're doing here what are you guys doing out there um well it's uh you know typical work week you know uh, of course molly being an er vet she's um working holidays also um, although we are both off on thanksgiving this year which actually just kind of happened nice. by chance which is really nice yeah. we're both working christmas but then off again new year's so you know first going to be first thanksgiving here with daphne we're going to do a bunch of family yeah. stuff and, and watch football and all that good stuff. Although, you know me and my weather-loving self, it's supposed to be like 80 degrees here on Thanksgiving, which is just not right. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're leaving actually the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The three of us are taking a little road trip up to the mountains in Northern California. Ooh. It's supposed to be like single digits and snow and, and uh, all that Oof. next week. So I, I, Molly and I couldn't be more excited for that. And Daphne's first I don't think I would ever snow, take so. a vacation where it's cold. I, I think <laughs> all of my vacations are going to be right in your backyard. I think that's where I would take all my vacations. That's that's fair. You know, if you if you ever want to do a house swap in wintertime, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you absolutely could. I am I am down for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we got another uh, you know awesome episode today. Um, this is a guest that's been on before, but it's been a couple years mm -hmm. since we talked to her. Um, we have Amy Newfield coming back by the Vet Tech Cafe today, and and. A little bit of rundown for Amy. So she has a master's degree in leadership and management and has been in the field for well over 20 years as a credentialed veterinary technician. Um, she became a VTS and ECC in 2003 
And most currently, I would say, uh, of course, she does all of the lecturing and is well-published and all that. But but her newest adventure, she's got two books out since we last spoke, which is pretty incredible because it's only been, I think, two years since that episode, yeah. maybe two and a half. The first was Oops, I Became a Manager, and then more recently, Oops, My Team is Toxic. And then she has now Veterinary Team Training Company that's dedicated to, just like it sounds, veterinary team training and all that. So that's kind of where we're going to focus on today. Um, really excited to have her back. Um, I have long said Amy has a direct line to my funny bone, and anytime I hear her lecture, it's just it's always for me the highlight of any conference that I'm at. So, Amy, thank you so much for coming back by the Vet Tech Cafe today. Um, I know you're not a coffee lover. Perhaps can I get you a Treehouse Stout? Absolutely. The darker the stout, the better. If it's an imperial Russian stout, like that's what I love. I love the maltiness of it, the chocolate of it. So yeah. Fantastic. Will do. <laughs> um, so if you don't mind, I know last time you were on, we we had you take us through through your career path, but how about just the last couple of years? Because I feel like you've done a lot of different things in that short period of time. And then we'll jump off from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we last spoke, I was finishing up my first book and wanted to mention it, but also was terrified. <laughs> so I kept it under wraps and I was like, this podcast is going to drop and I will be releasing a book and that's going to look really weird. But I haven't really told anybody about it. So it's terrifying publishing two books. And so along with the publishing the first book, I was sort of co like, Right, I'm not co-writing because no one else wrote it with me, but like writing at the same time a second book because I just knew there was enough content to put it in a second book. And then obviously spent the last two years uh, finishing up that second book, which I just released in October. So excited and nervous all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> As we look at the the veterinary profession and the the technician profession, something we always like to ask our guests, and I think we asked you this last time, is where do you see the vet tech profession right now? Like, what are we doing right? What do we need to fix? And how are we going to do that in this short hour? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Let's solve all the world's problems in this one hour. I think what we're really doing right is we are starting to take charge of our own profession and I'm starting to see that more and more. I absolutely love people feeling like they're empowered to talk to their employers, to ensure their own work-life balance, to take care of their own mental health. I think that's really important and I think that comes a lot from social media, this connection where we realize we're not on a lone island that we actually all share very similar stories and that we all share very similar goals and frustrations and pros and cons of this profession. When you have that community online, it really does connect all of us. And so social media obviously can be bad, but I think it can also be a source of good. And in this case, I see more and more people challenging their workplaces, but also protecting themselves, which you know, if if you could look at this profession 10, 15 years ago, I don't think it was that way. So I'd like to thank the younger generations as well as social media, because I, I don't think that it's necessarily a generational thing. Um, when we look at generational studies, actually, everybody, including a lot of baby boomers now, cite um, work-life balance as being really a key thing that they're looking for in their own happiness. And so I think that's that's really important. We all want the same thing. How are we going to get it? Yeah, and I think that's important when we look at when we look at social media like, you know, when the three of us started, social media was not a thing and we were on an <laughs> island, right? We were on the island of we knew our clinic and maybe we knew something that was going on from another clinic because we did know people that worked in other clinics, but for the most part, we were very isolated in in terms of what we knew. And I think now that social media is out there, we we learn about everything that's going on, you know, not not just in our state, but in our country, in the world, uh, which I think is, like you said, pros and cons to social media. But hopefully we can embrace the pros more than the cons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I definitely see that's taking us on the right path as far as just connecting yeah. all of us. Yeah, for sure. And and their strength in, and their strength in numbers. The more the more of us talk about a given subject or share a particular link or article or what have you, the, the more people it's going to reach and the more people are going to read it. And, and with maybe sometimes without even having active discussion, it's just, it's a way to, to continue to, 
just move the needle little bit by little bit. So yeah, I, it, it's been fascinating. Um, you know, Dave and I aren't really big social media people on our own pages, but since we've had this podcast and the things that we see and the things that we share, it's, it's really been eye opening all of the things that are going on from the state associations and the, the trails technicians are blazing on their own. It's, it's just, it's fascinating to see from afar and social media is what, what links that all together. So veterinary team training, let's start there. What is it? What do you do? What do you provide? What are your mission and goals? Yeah, absolutely. So currently I am what I call a professional unicorn um, because <laughs> I can make up my own title um, for my own company. So that's <laughs> that's my title currently. <laughs> Love it. Please tell um, me you have like a name badge for that. <laughs> I, I honestly, when I go to conferences now, you when it says what you are, like put your title in, I do put professional nice. unicorn. Amazing. Um, so Amazing. You'll, see me, you'll see me at the upcoming VMX with the professional unicorn title that I'm going to give myself because why not? Fantastic. Um, I encourage others to make up their own titles as well. So um, yeah, right now I think I'm just taking a break and, and um, working for myself, which is kind of fun and scary at the same time. Um, veterinary team training was born when I decided to go on this crazy adventure of publishing my first book. So I did self-publish my very first book as well as my second book. Um, the short version is, as I spent years trying to find a publishing company and they told me there was no market for it and it wasn't going to be something they were interested in so I said screw it I'm gonna do this anyway <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> I decided at the time I was gonna create a business and kind of put this book somewhat underneath that business so it had a business entity with it um, not having any idea of really uh, uh, what I was going to do with that um, currently I do one-on-one -on -one mentorship with leaders as well as, you know, sometimes team members who are struggling with individual other team members. I do consulting work with hospitals. So I have gone into hospitals and I look at everything from team dynamics to workflow, or sometimes we have like a half a day conference on well-being and emotional intelligence and conflict resolution and that sort of thing. And then just really, I do a lot of chatting with leaders, just to pick, you know, they pick my brain about a variety of things. And then I can always zoom in and do webinars. And so I do webinars. Sometimes it's medical. Um, sometimes it's more soft skills. So um, I'm just having fun with it right now. But that's a little bit about what veterinary team training is, because honestly, I just thought I felt like I should have a business to coincide with this book. And at the time, I really didn't have a social media presence. So I was like, I'll create a page. And then I'll create a LinkedIn profile. I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> I really wasn't on social media before I published my book. And now I, I have to, if you want to publish your own book, you have to put yourself out there. That's my word of advice to anybody. And if you're an introvert like me, which I am, it's a very awkward and weird feeling that you'll never get used to, but, um, that's For how sure. you publish your own book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and I'm so curious because you, you know, so much, and you still do so much for emergency critical care and the Avectin Academy and all that. What kind of spurred you or inspired you to go down this team dynamic kind of management leadership kind of path? Because I would say for a lot of us, that's not a very common path. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, by the name of the first book, you can tell I kind of myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So I moved my way into a management role. Very young 20s, did not have a clue of what I was doing. I just made it up. I made a lot of atrocious mistakes, most of which are in the book, because I'm very transparent on all the issues that I ever did, and then some. And don't worry, because the second book also has many of my mistakes, along with like ruining an entire relationship with a local college. I did that. Um, so just a lot of really terrible things you should never do. But that's okay. I, I learned from that, and then... I ended up becoming a technician manager of a privately owned specialty hospital that ended up getting sold to Blue Pearl. And at the time, I loved my team, but I felt like I sort of had plateaued in my skills as a leader. And 
I actually saw, saw employment elsewhere. Blue Pearl was very kind and said, hey, don't leave. Do you, What do you want to do? And I said, I just want to make an impact on a larger scale. And I had an amazing opportunity to be their national vet tech training manager for many years. But one of the things that I saw, despite going into like pretty much every Blue Pearl hospital, was that there were leaders on all levels, whether it be, you know, your uh, client service rep supervisor or your vet tech manager or the practice manager or the hospital administrator, they're all struggling the same. They had no idea how to lead people. And at that point in my career, I had really taken a lot of leadership, like online courses and kind of bought a whole bunch of leadership books. And um, just because I had been in variety of different leadership roles, and I thought, you know, this is an area that people are struggling and, and we really need to do something about it. So that's why I passionately wrote two books about the subject, because I was like, <laughs> There, there was nothing. I mean, when I was looking for leadership books out there and I would type in like veterinary hospital leadership, there's only one book. Now there's more than one. But um, at the time it was, you know, hospital administration stuff and it was like the Bible and it really didn't talk about how to lead people. It talked about how to make money how to organize your day-to-day -day operations, how to introduce a new service. It even talked largely about veterinarians. It had all, like, I think a paragraph or two, maybe a page or two on veterinary technicians. And I was like, but where's the book on how to manage people? Because that's where we're failing. And so I really just, I felt it to a very passion project of mine because people struggle in those roles all the time. And there's a direct correlation of the health of our teams with how the leadership is doing. And that is the reality. Like, you know, we fault our leaders a lot, but we also don't provide them any tools or resources to actually make them successful. We just throw them in these positions, give them a title and say, good luck with that. Give them zero time off the floor and expect them to lead a team. It's like a hot mess. Like, it is the only industry that works this way, to my knowledge. Like, nobody else <laughs> actually is like this. Like, if you're an RN and you go into a supervisor manager role, they give you tools and resources, but they also give you time to be that manager or supervisor. This is the job that you're just thrown into it. And they're like, Godspeed, my friends. I hope you figure it out. And that's yeah, for sure. We're like, why'd they fail? I don't know. It's so crazy. So yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a true passion project of mine, but I think it was because I lived it and I struggled with it. And then ended up figuring out how to do it, but ended up figuring out how to do it through 20 different books and, um, you know, figuring it out on my own. So. Gotcha. And, and do you find there's, you know, with, with some of the reading that you've done on this subject in the past, do you find that leading being, you know, a leader in a veterinary hospital or a veterinary environment is different in terms of the people that you're leading versus other fields? Like, is that something, is it something unique to leading a veterinary team versus I don't know, a radio station or a human hospital or, or other things? Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely has its nuances. But at this point, especially on my first book, which has been out for um, now a little over two years, I've had so many out-of-industry people read it. I've At this point, I've, I ha I've had um, architect read it, uh, someone from IT, a couple engineers, business sectors, um, someone actually from Amazon read it. Um, and like an Amazon corporate person reached out to me and was like, this is really, it actually pertains to every single business in some level. Um, so leading people across the board, I mean, you know, it is, is generally the same, but we have nuances in the sense that we're literally working on top of each other. You know, nurses and doctors in the human healthcare sector, they get to get away from each other. It could take four to five people to draw blood on a 10 pound cat. I mean, that gets a little stressful, whereas it's hopefully only going to take one person to draw blood on one other human being. So um, we're really <laughs> on top of each other, which is an interesting dynamic for us. But I think when you think about what any person wants in a in a workplace environment, we're all striving for the same thing. We want a healthy, happy workplace environment where people aren't throwing things, they're not cursing, there's no gossip, there's no negativity. I still have a slide in one of my presentations that says, don't yell at each other and don't throw things. And inevitably, every <laughs> single time that slide comes up, and I say to everyone in the audience, how many of you have had or seen someone purposely throw something out of anger? 90% of the people in the audience raise their hand. 
I mean, I don't understand why we're throwing shit in vet med, but we just shouldn't throw shit. Like it should be that simple. <laughs> um, my tips to you, to me, like just don't throw shit at each other. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, sh- it should be a, it should be a simple task. Right. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It should be. It should, it should be. be. Yeah. So One would think. I will, I will say other sector, business sectors have mentioned that they are not familiar with people throwing things at them. So I was like, I think that's the nuance of that med. We like to throw stuff. It's I don't right. think I've ever had anyone throw anything directly at me, but I, I have had surgeons like throw stuff at the wall out of frustration. Uh-huh. And again, like why? why? Like what is what is that? Yeah. 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 Just don't throw things, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the first book, Oops, I Became a Manager. So obviously you, you went through some trials and tribulations as you went through that process. And, and what were the difficulties in actually writing the book itself? And I, I will have to mention, I did get the book uh, after it came out just because I do some consulting as well. And sometimes people ask me like, how do I manage this team? How do I, how do I lead this team? And it's funny having you and I have really only known each other for a couple of years, but having been to many of your lectures and, and just hearing your voice all the time, I read your book in your voice. So that was funny for me. <laughs> I've had a lot of people who have said that, actually. A lot of people. In fact, somebody just finished my um, other book and they said, it sounds yep. just like you. So I, I guess exactly. that's the curse of self-publishing. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what what was difficult about that? How did you how did you kind of get through that? And especially not having a publisher set up ahead of time. How did you how did you kind of go through that? Yeah. I I mean I believed in the content, and so I had already mapped out sort of what I saw this being. And um, for me, it, I've always been a writer, which sounds really weird, but like even when I was a little kid, I probably should go get it. But I have this little old dot matrix book printed on a dot matrix computer. I should go get it for you guys to show it, but um, it's hysterical. And it's about my dog, Molly. And I wrote it when I was 13 years old. And it's this tiny little book with pictures in it. My grandmother worked as a librarian and she one time said to me, don't ever become an author, Amy. You'll never ever make any money. Like you need a real job. You can't just be a writer. So I always liked to create write and it was like English was definitely a class I excelled at when I got out of so I was the editor-in-chief of both my high school newspaper and my college newspaper and then when I got out of college it felt weird not writing and publishing um it's always putting words to paper is therapeutic to me it's the way that I process like a lot of feelings or emotions or how I take action and so you'll probably never see me protesting on a street but you'll see me writing a ton of letters to congressmen and and the president of the United States and whoever else is upsetting me at the time um so I write a lot of letters whenever I get angry Amy's writing stuff um and so that's what I do to kind of as an outlet. And so then in my very early vet tech career, I reached out to vet tech magazine, which was the only publication for our our kind at the time in the nineties. And I was like, hi, my name's Amy. And I would like to write an article for you. And they said, what do you want to write it on? And at the time I had seen one of my very first hemo abdomens from a splenic mass. And I was blown away. It was the most exciting thing I had ever seen in my life. So I was like, I'd like to write it on the spleen. I want to know more about the spleen. And I just want to dive into the physiology of the spleen and the disease process. And they said, go ahead. So the very first article was titled The Spleen. And that was pretty boring. (laughs) (laughs) It was called The Spleen by Amy Newfield. It was very, very boring. But From there, uh, you know, once I started kind of brain working this idea, you know, probably at this point, like seven, eight years ago, I was like, I need to write this book. Like I just felt a calling for it. And then writing it was easy. That was the easy part. Like I just, it just kind of flowed. And of course you get angry at some certain things and you pull out and push it into different spots. And that's where I started pulling a lot of content into a second book. Um, because I was like, this doesn't fit in this first book, but it will fit in a second book. The hardest part after writing it is, as a self-publisher, figuring out how to publish your damn book. Um, so now you're <laughs> trapped with words on a page and you're like, shit, what am I supposed to do with this? And thankfully to the internet, you can Google, how should how can I publish a book? And I researched a lot of different models. KDP Publishing is owned by Amazon. And right now, Amazon's the biggest beast in there is. Right. They're bigger than Barnes & Noble. They're bigger than any small indie company. And I thought, if I'm going to have any chance of being successful, I have to go through Amazon. 
um, I'd be stupid not to. So I was like, all right, let's go with Amazon. So um, yeah, Amazon is the one who technically prints the book, but um, I own the copyright outright for it. Uh, fun fact, after my first book, and it's now obviously been very successful and like I have all these pinch me moments, like I can't even believe how successful it is. I've had several publishers reach out to me and ask me if I would want to publish with them. And I'm, I have a little bit of a pretty woman moment where I'm Julia Roberts in the store. Like, remember me? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I decided I would obviously self publish for my second book. It allows me the creative freedom and now know how, how to do it. There are times where you want to like, like just throw your computer out the window. And this is, this is how li the little stuff will drive you mad. You have to convert your Word document into a PDF, which makes it sound so simple because everyone knows how to do that. But there's sometimes a page break in there or a hidden little thing that you, that causes a blank page. And so you convert your Word document into a PDF and there's a stupid blank page in the middle of one of your chapters. And despite all your best efforts, you can't figure out where this stupid page break is. You've ripped out all of those. I spent 90 minutes one day near tears wanting to throttle a computer over a blank page. And I don't know how I fixed it, but I did. And that was a victory for me because I was like, I'm never going to be able to publish this book over this blank page. It was, well, and hopefully, it hopefully you didn't throw something. Dumbest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's we throw right, things that's right. that <laughs> Yes, 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 for sure. So yeah. you had said in there, while you were writing the first book, you kind of already had the idea turning that the second book, it was kind of starting to write itself because it was, there, there was more to say and, and perhaps a little bit of a, a different topic. So I'm curious, is it, is Oops, My Team is Toxic? Is it kind of a follow-up? Is it a standalone book? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it can absolutely be read as a standalone book. Um, the I do reference it, a, the first book, a couple times in the second book. So the way that I structured them is I think, oops, I became a manager lays the foundation. Like you need to be able to have time off the floor to manage your team. You need to have structured like through organizational structure, hospital appropriately, or nothing else matters. You have to pay people fairly or you can just kiss it all goodbye. And so those are the things that I talk about in the first book is just really dialing in on setting yourself up for success with the bare bones that are minimum to like be able to have a good leadership team within a hospital and to be able to make sure that your team is successful. And then, oops, my team is toxic is when it all falls apart, right? Or maybe you've already had it fallen apart. <laughs> it's, I did all those things and now there's a crisis and everyone hates each other and I don't know how to deal with team person A and team person B and, you know, there's yelling and there's screaming and it goes over well, different types of toxicity because I think we think about toxicity like someone gossiping or negativity or bullying or things like that. But really, it's also we, we don't even think about the toxic person who just doesn't ever speak up, right? Like technically that's a toxic behavior. If you see something and you never say anything, like we want those people to speak up. We want them to participate as a team member. And when they just come in and they don't even say anything, even though they see atrocities occurring, that's technically adding to the toxicity of that hospital. So it talks about all types of different toxic behaviors. And then it ties into well-being programs and things like that. So it's a little bit more advanced. But that said, you can read either one in any order that you want and still get something out of it. Yeah, it's, so. it's funny you mentioned the, the, the complacency. You don't really see that as like outwardly being toxic. It's just indifference really to the the crap that's going on that shouldn't be allowed to go on and not speaking of is just as bad as being uh, outwardly toxic, I think. Yeah, 100%. I always say that one of the worst things any employee could say is it's just a job. Um, because in that moment, they're completely yeah. checked out. When you say it's just a job, you don't care. You come in, you're collecting a paycheck, you go home. And this isn't a job for anybody. This is a passion. We all went into this industry because I joke, but it's true. We generally like animals better than we like people. Um, there's no shame in saying that. And so 
the pe the animals and the medicine are always going to be there no matter what what how how we work or what we do or our careers there's always going to be that awesome animal component and that awesome medical component and so when we say it's just a job i'm i'm sorry but that shit, that awesome animal and medicine stuff, that's a passion for everybody. Every single one of us got into this because we say, I, I just love animals so much. I'm willing to go ahead and dive all in on this job. And so, yeah, that complacency is is really horrible because that just means I don't care anymore. I don't really care about the animals. I don't care about the medicine. I certainly don't care about this place. And so then they just don't say anything. They might do a completely okay job, but they're not contributing to the success of the hospital either. And that, that can be just as detrimental. Well, I think a lot of it is that the passion is what keeps us in the field. Because if you see the toxicity that happens in, the, in nearly every clinic, like why would you do that if you didn't have a passion for what you're doing? It, it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then when that candle yeah. burns out, what's left? Yeah. I mean, you know, once the passion is gone, then... There's no reason to stay. What's left? There's no reason to stay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. We have to figure out, you know, those complacent people, how are we going to reinvigorate them and get them back to loving what they were, they went into this field doing, right? Like, they loved it. So that's still there. Why is it just a job to them? Because it's never been just a job for me. So yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Before we get too far into this, we're about halfway through our hour. So why don't we take our little break here? And we'll pay some bills and we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, where you can take a break from your true crime obsession. I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Jeff, I know you don't listen to any podcasts other than I don't even I don't even listen to our <laughs> podcast. I <laughs> I love doing this podcast, but like, there's a couple that you know got a fellow podcaster here. I was going to say there's there's you know some yeah, sometimes I don't listen to it. I do I, it and it goes out. And I never listened to yeah, it again. There are some things that I see usually again on social media, maybe a, a, a you know an episode of Dr. Rourke that, that gets my attention or or of your podcast that gets my attention. Usually it's it's the shit you just shouldn't say episodes. <laughs> but you know, and, and then like I, I'll listen to that and I like I and then I'll think to myself, I really do enjoy podcasts and then I don't listen to another one for you, six months. You don't have an don't excuse know. to not listen to ours. <laughs> I have an excuse because I do the editing, so I, I hear I hear the podcast yeah, many, many to. times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amy. So we just had our ad for better help. And one of the questions we like to ask out of the break is how do you manage your own mental health? I, I know you've got a lot going on right now. So how do you get away and how do you how do you keep yourself sane? It's taken me a long time to figure out what works for me. And I think that's really important for everybody to figure out what works for you. Someone said it best because Years ago, I was talking to a veterinarian who's also a yoga instructor, and she said, have you ever tried meditation? And I said, I have, but my brain just won't shut off. And I tried yoga, and it's just the only type of yoga that I ever loved was Bikram yoga or hot vinyasa yoga, where you're constantly moving and you're in agony and pain. Um, for <laughs> yoga people, they'll be like, yeah, that is serious, like yoga. And I said, but what I really love is trail running in the woods, or I love, absolutely love scuba diving in the ocean. And she said to me, and this really like resonated, she said, you're an active meditator. And I went, huh? And she was like, you're an active meditator because meditation is about just being in your own breath. 
shutting off all the extraneous thoughts and just being present in the moment. And when you trail run, all you can think about is not killing yourself on a root or a rock or a tree. And so every single footprint that I make on the earth, I literally look down and go, okay, there's a root, there's a rock, there's a tree, get out of this way, there's a branch, there's that. I can't think of anything else. And it's so peaceful because I do it with my dogs who are running off leash and they're running along beside me and all I can hear is my own breath. And the only thought I have is looking at mother nature. And the same is true in the ocean. You can't talk to anybody else. And so all you can hear is your own bubbles and silence. And it's amazing. So I am definitely an active meditator um, because sitting quietly in a spot, you guys know me, I can't do just sitting quietly in a spot. <laughs> so I am too busy. I'm too high strung. There's not a conceivable notion that you'll ever get Amy to shut her brain off in a quiet spot just thinking silently. So, um, but I didn't know that there was such a term as active meditation. So that's hmm. how that's how I get and take care of myself is to actively meditate. AKA, got to go out and burn some energy. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fascinating idea. I'd never heard of that either, but it makes complete sense. It makes complete yeah. sense for. I do running too, but I don't do trail running. So I, I'm on like neighborhoods, and you know we have greenways down here in North Carolina where they're they're like paved paths through through the woods, so I don't have to worry about you know, breaking an ankle or, or things like that. But maybe I should find some trails because when I run, sometimes <laughs> when I get done with my run, I'm texting Jeff, like all these ideas that I had for the podcast in my run. But if I had that trail running and that fear of breaking a leg or something that, that may actually shut my brain off, uh, I'm going to have to try that. I'll have to figure out where I can run that has trails around here. There you go. I find that road runners either love trail running or they hate it. My sister does street running and on the few times she's gone trail running for me, she absolutely hates it and doesn't understand why I do it. <laughs> so I, I don't know that there's she's like, what is the fun in this? And Dave, I'll have to send you if I can find it a funny like TikTok of the differences between someone on a street and someone on a on the trail. So very funny. <laughs> I, I think a lot of times the 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 problem for me with trail running is that when I'm running on the street, I'm I'm like focused on my pace, I'm focused on speed, I'm focused on distance. And when you're trail running, yeah. your your time goes way down. Like you're you're, you're, you're focused, focused on, on not dying, dying, but you're not fast. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, the TikTok video alludes to that. You've got this street runner who goes, "Okay, well, when do yes. we start the time?" And the trail runner goes, "Whenever you want." And then they start walking up a very long vertical hill and the street runner goes we're walking again and the trail runner goes yeah yep. we're walking yep. again of course. that's that's why it's safer to walk up and the and the um street runner pauses their pr time and is like yes. okay well i'll pause yes and then and this then part doesn't count the, top, are we starting now? the yeah, walking part doesn't count, count. Uh, it was very funny uh, yeah totally the difference the two so anyway oh my gosh oh my gosh so kind of circling back to your books with you saying oops my team of toxic that idea kind of came out while you were writing the first book without giving too much away were there any thoughts about another direction of a future book you might want to do is that is that <laughs> something you've already considered i have not oh okay I Everyone, everyone has asked me because it seems like just the trifecta would round it completely <laughs> out. Right. I am exhausted from writing I two books. Bet. And um <laughs> and uh yeah, I think like for me I have I will openly and honestly say I've not even started a third book. There was a little a bit of an idea, but I I don't love it. And so I think for now I'm just going to just be happy with this. And if some brainstorming idea happens, maybe I'll go for a third. But yeah, I've had many people like, when's the third one coming out? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Let's tap <laughs> the brakes a little bit. Minutes. Yeah, I spent 90 minutes trying to delete a page I didn't even know existed in a Word document. I mean, if that's what nightmare of self-publishing out there like there are every single edit every single everything in that book i had to do by hand and so Oof. i'm tired yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna sit back and let two books go i do need to finish my ebooks because 
people are like knocking on the door and then eventually I probably, probably, but no promises, will do audiobooks of them. Which it's nice that I've had several people reach out to me and say they would do my audiobook and be the voice. But I also know I'm pretty sure my audience would only want to hear my like whiny voice. And so I don't know why, but everyone's like, you're I mean, if to people are, uh, we're already reading it in your voice. Yeah, anyways. If people are already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I was just going to say. That's I mean, I <laughs> yeah, it's got to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it just wouldn't be the same if Morgan Freeman narrated or Will Wheaton narrated yeah, your book. I mean, same. it just, it, it wouldn't no, carry it wouldn't. the same way. Definitely wouldn't. <laughs> If Morgan Freeman approached me, though, and told me he would charge me, yeah, if he he was going to charge me zero dollars to narrate my book, I would have Morgan Freeman narrate my book. So, <laughs> I would absolutely, if for some strange reason that man was like, hey, Amy, I'm Morgan Freeman, I'll narrate your book for zero dollars, I'd be like, yeah, Morgan, you can do it. Um, so <laughs> I would take him up on that. <laughs> Maybe just a special edition. <laughs> so Morgan Freeman, if you are a listener... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure yes. why you would be, but if you're a listener, let us know. We'll put you in touch with her. Uh, so so yeah. you're also doing the, the veterinary team training podcast. And how do you come up with ideas for that? Is it just something that happens like spur of the moment? Or do people like reach out to you and say, hey, can you talk about this? Or how, how, do, how do those ideas come up? Yeah, sometimes it's, um, well, honestly, sometimes it's content for my book that I'm pretty passionate about. I just put one out about how annual performance reviews suck. <laughs> so um, that one <laughs> That one is, I have an entire two, two chapters are dedicated to performance reviews and developing people in my second book. And so I'm pretty passionate about that only because there's just, that's a whole nightmare in veterinary medicine, how we decide to develop people. So some of it's just content from the book, but sometimes it's having a conversation with somebody and something we start talking about takes me down a rabbit hole of like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this podcast. Originally, when I started doing the podcast, it was honestly, because again, when you're a self-publisher and you have to like build up your own audience, essentially, you're like, well, I guess I'll just put myself out there. So yeah, nothing exists before 2020 because that's <laughs> when my first book was published. But yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. So I just come up with things that people chat with me. There hasn't been anybody who's approached me and say, you should talk about this, but I, Hey, if anyone's listening and you have ideas for me, let yeah. me know. Cause I'm happy to talk about it and give me my, my one-sided thought process. Every so often I've thought about, should I bring a guest in? But I haven't, I haven't gone down that route yet. So maybe, maybe in the future hmm. you'll see some guests popping in. So yeah, right now there's a convenience of it's just me in my basement. I verbally vomit a bunch of stuff yeah. and put it out there. I <laughs> love it. I love it. You know, from from that leadership and development perspective, and and what you've written about in your books or talked about on the podcast, like is there is there one thing or one topic that you are either most passionate about or that you think leaders or managers of veterinary medicine need to hear or need to be better educated about say more than anything or just something that's like the top of the pyramid yeah i would say if you are in a leadership role a manager role a supervisor role the top thing that you need to do is you need to educate and work on your skills to developing people because what happens is we get put in these positions and then unfortunately we just think, well, I can slam in an art line, or I'm great at running a ventilator, or I'm awesome at doing dental profies, and so therefore I'm an awesome leader. And I can assure you that the skill set of being a leader is drastically different than being a veterinarian, a vet tech, a client service rep, any of those, you know, whatever you worked your way up from, you know nothing about leadership because I just thought... Well, I've been doing this for, I think at the time I'd been doing it for like three years. I was like, and I'm the only credentialed vet tech. So clearly I would be the manager. And honestly, it has nothing to do with it. There is an art form to developing and coaching people. There is an art form to actually leading teams. And I think people, you know, this was a topic that I talk about in my second book, which is, can you teach skills or are that you born with these skills? And the answer, they did a de huge debate down in Tampa, Florida, a bunch of psychologists. And there is some genetic components to things like honesty and kindness um, and even some level of emotional intelligence. There is some genetic components to those traits, but that's only part of it. The other 50%, you have to be able to develop yourselves. No different than we teach ourselves to ride a bike or place an IV catheter or spay or neuter an animal. Like we taught ourselves those 
skills, we have to teach ourselves how to communicate with people better. We have to teach ourselves a way to develop people. We have to teach ourselves what it means to be a leader. And I, I, anyone in a position, one, you should have a CE budget for your medical and for your leadership skills. You need to actually have time off the floor to be able to work and act as a leader, regardless of whether or not you're in that manager or supervisor role, whatever that is. And the problem is we just don't think of it like that in veterinary medicine. We, I hear always, I hear time and time again, I can't take them off the floor because then they're not making any money for me. And I'm like... I, 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 it's, it's mind blowing to me because it's this weird industry where we just want to work everybody and lead no one. And so when we figure out that leadership is the problem that's starting to cause all the issues, then we can go back to, you know, actually being good vet techs and veterinarians because we have good leadership, but leadership will make or break a hospital in a heartbeat. And so I think if anybody's in a leadership role, you need to realize you have to love the people aspect of it, which is weird for us because we went into this industry again, because we love animals. So we're like, I love animals and I want to play with animals. And now it was a very weird flip, like probably 15 years ago, where I started becoming very passionate about the team and the human aspect of it. And when you start to feel that passion and that care and that desire to help others in your hospital, then you can develop out your leadership skills. And so, yeah, you just have to constantly learn and grow. And there's so many different styles of leadership and things you can learn. There's a million books out there. Um, buy my two books. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. There's, I think that's the big thing is like learning to develop your own skills. And so many people say, I don't have time because I don't have time off the floor. We got to give people time to learn about how to be in a leader. Yeah. So yeah. Agreed. And, 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 and if that's not for you, you know, again, as, if you're that senior person or the, the longest tenured person in the hospital, if that's not you or if that's not your passion, that's okay too. Like I know myself, like I'm good at training. I'm good at teaching. I'm good at coaching and motivating, but I'm not a good manager of people. I would need a lot of education and training to get through. And uh, in general, thank, thankfully my wife has helped me leaps and bounds in this regard of being a co communicator, but I'm a very poor communicator too. And I know that about myself. And if I was ever going to take a leadership or a, a team leader or supervisor position, I know I have a lot of work to do. And it's just not like in some ways, again, there's aspects of that that I really like the the training and the coaching and, and the bringing people along. But then there's a lot of it, too, that I know I'm just not good at. And that's OK. And if that's not you, like just because you are that person in that hospital doesn't mean you have to be this other person in the hospital too. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, you know, I call it the survivability rating, but it's also based on something called Peter's principles where the, as you move up the ladder, you just keep getting promoted, promoted, promoted because you've been there a certain set of years. And it's actually very detrimental because promotion doesn't lead to actual success in that. And so I always call it the survivability rating, which is like you've survived this hospital for five or 10 years. So you get a title of a supervisor or manager. It's almost expected. I hear so many young vet techs and veterinarians saying, I've been at my hospital for five years. I should be a supervisor. And I usually put the time out on that and I say, well, let's talk about what that looks like. First of all, like what are the skills that you are looking to develop and how are you going to develop out your skills and what do you what really interests you about the people part of it? Because I know plenty of leaders who've gone down that manager route that very quickly go, I don't want any of this. Like I I feel like all I do is sit in an office and have one-on-one -on -one conversations and this isn't anything I signed up for and I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with employee A hating employee B and me being the the person to have to fix it. So I think that's really important that people recognize it's a completely different skill set that has to be developed. You might have some innate skills, but that's not the only thing you you're should do. You need to keep constantly developing your skills. Amy, as, as we've been talking in, you know, your your books that are out and kind of being the authority on how to be a manager in, in the veterinary space, I wonder when you were younger, who was your supervisor that said, this is something that I can do? Uh, who, who led you by example to say, 
this is some, a path that I want to take. Yeah, I was very fortunate. My first general practice was owned by one veterinarian. His parents had owned it and then he went ahead and owned it. And he was a fantastic boss. I just happened to be in a really healthy workplace environment, um, which allowed me to utilize my skills to the fullest as a vet tech. And then literally, you know, he just kept believing in what I could do. And, you know, definitely put too much on my plate, which was, you know, can you do inventory? I was like, sure, I can figure this out. Can you do the scheduling? Got it. No problem. Do you think you can have this conversation with this employee? I, I don't know what a development uh, conversation is, but sure, I'll make it up as I go along. We have a potential new hire. Can you interview him? I've never done an interview in my life, but I'm just going to BS my way through this. That sounds awesome. Um, and so they just kind of like let me do this stuff. But luckily, they also just showed me kind of how to lead by example. I screwed up a lot in that time, honestly. But I, I did like what I was doing. I just burned myself out and then found my passion for emergency medicine. And then honestly, most roles that I've gone into since then, uh, it is very much into like either a manager or supervisor role. I, I My private practice, um, specialty hospital, I ended up coming on as an emergency floor technician, but within a year ended up managing the, the specialty hospital and um, sort of ended up falling into that as well. So I do enjoy it. I, I definitely like developing teams. I like developing people. I like when I see someone struggling and helping them and coaching them. I just, to me, if we can help those individual people, then the team's so much better for it, right? So yeah, I just like, I like that aspect of it. And I honestly, it was really surprising to me. I really just never pictured myself ever liking that aspect of it. So fantastic. Um, so you know, want you to be able to enjoy the the here and now. But I'm curious, what's what's next? What's on the horizon for veterinary team training for Amy Newfield? Any other projects you're working on, or just kind of continuing doing what you're doing now? What's on the what's on the horizon? Yeah, I think. Um, and I'll say right now, I'm in a weird time in my life because um, I've never not worked for a hospital or a company. Um, I think, is that possible in the future? Yes, hopefully. I've been having some conversations with some hospitals and companies and seeing what's out there for sure. As I say on my LinkedIn page, I'm currently seeking a unicorn role. So, you know, trying to figure out how I can stay connected. My goals would be to still be focused on teams and helping team culture leaders develop. But I'm always a big fan of any type of technician training. I love when I get to train people. I think that reminds me again, why I went into this field. There's no greater joy than watching someone place their first IV catheter and their eyes light up when they get blood in the hub and they're like, oh, and I'm like, I know it's so exciting. Right. And then they get it and they're successful and you're, and you're, you just cheer them on. Like it's so, it seems so simple now to do, but you know, being able to coach someone through it is really awesome. So I, I'm not quite sure what's on. I'm in a weird time flux right now in my life, but I have no plans other than I am like living in the moment, which is weird for me because I've always been such a planner, like years of my life planned out. And right now when people ask me, I go, I'm just going to get through the holidays. <laughs> where I'm at. Like I'm just getting through the holidays. going to figure it out after that. I don't know what that means. I'm going to get through the holidays. I'm going to go scuba diving tomorrow morning. I'm going to get through the holidays. I'm going to go from there. So that's, hey, that's you're going to, you're going to scuba dive in that cold. I did. I went yesterday. It was 46 degrees Fahrenheit, which is colder oh than normal. My. It gets down to 32 in the ocean. So that's still warm here, but yeah, that's not something I will ever do. I'm going to go tomorrow morning wow. in a place that's warmer. It's supposed to be 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. Instead of 46. What, uh, I know. What, what, uh, how I, how is the sea life different when it's that cold versus in the summertime? Like I'm guessing you see different creatures and things, right? hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like seasons on earth on the ground, only it's seasons under the water. It's actually spectacular. Like you can't describe it unless you do it. And so the lobsters, like obviously we have lobsters up here in new England by the, by the, you know, buckets. 
uh, load. And so they end up moving into deeper water where it's actually warmer because there's warmer temperatures out in the deeper water as opposed to the more shallow depths. Um, so we're starting to see our lobsters leave. Our crabs will also do the same. We pretty much lose all our fish life. But what comes out are these things called nudibranchs, which are, um, I encourage every one of you to Google nudibranch. It's um, nudie and then branch. Um, and so just put the two together. And they are shellless sea slugs. Um, and so they have no shell and they come in these variety of different colors and they're fantastic. They just started coming out this like last month or year round, but they're in tiny little forms. You can't see them. And then they get their life cycles only about a year long. So now we're starting to visibly like visually see them and they're like spectacular. And so, yeah, there's, um, there's weird little things that come out in the wintertime and then and when it cuts to be about spring, eel grass, grass starts to grow again, just like the grass on your lawn, only it's grass in the ocean. And the, the algae starts to grow back and the marine life starts to come in. And yeah, wow. it's weird. It's weird, but it's like seasons on earth, only seasons in the sea. <laughs> yeah, would have never thought of that. Yeah. So as we're getting towards the end of our hour here, is there anything that we haven't asked you today or, or something that you want to get out to our to our listeners before we go? think so I thank you guys for having me it's you know been a couple years and um like I said I think I think we recorded like literally a month or two right before yeah, yeah. I was gonna drop my book and uh, I was like there were about four people on the planet who knew about the and book we were at two the of time them. and I was like do I mention it I don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrifying. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I think I, I don't have any other, uh, anything else. So I thank you so much for having me on. So I always, um, have these pinchy moments that people want to like, listen to me chat about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, and is there anybody that you would recommend or a topic that you could think of that maybe we haven't touched on or we should revisit for a future episode? Oh my goodness. Let's see. I mean, you guys have done so many topics, right? Like there are, I mean, you know, to your point, there's sometimes that somebody that you interviews and I go, who's that? <laughs> and then I have to go check this person out because I'm like, I don't know who this is. And you know, I feel like I know a lot of people, but then you interview so many wonderful, great people. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys are always on the cutting edge and are on the pulse. And especially when, you know, really hot topics pop up, you're quick to jump on those and, and have a conversation with someone about it. So I think all of those things are really good. No, I think every single time you have you know, one of these podcasts, you introduce a different thought or concept into the industry, which I love. I think that's fantastic. So yeah, I can't I have to think about it, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. All right. All right. All right, Amy. Now it's time for your would you rather question. Are you ready for it? I am. <laughs> so we, we've switched to, we asked our guests to give us a number one, two, or three, and we have three would you rather questions lined up and you have to tell us which one you want. I'm going to go with number one. Number one. Okay. Would you rather... I chose well. Well, they're, they're all pretty tough. Would you rather always bite your lip or your cheek every breakfast, or you always stub your toe every time you leave a building? Oh, goodness. I'm going to go with, I think, stub my toe. Because anytime I've ever bitten my cheek or my lip, it stays. And then you just have this sore spot in your mouth, mm -hmm. and it sucks. Yes. And it's like you keep rebiting it because it's swollen, and you're like, you're saying curse mm -hmm. words. Whereas, like, you stub your toe, and it hurts. But then it tends to be okay. I think it would, like, as a runner, I'd have to know what level of stubbing my toe because I've broken both my big toes. And so if it's, like, less than that pain and I can still run, then that's fine. <laughs> but if it's, like, I'd rather be able to comfortably eat food and not be like, ow, ow, because that yeah. – I like to eat food. And, you know, somebody once said that yeah. to me. They said, the good thing about you eating is you like to eat. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to take that. It's a negative thing. I don't know. They just, that's how they left it. They said, the good thing about you, Amy, is you like to eat. And I was like, I have zero idea of what to say right now. But, yeah, like, the, um, <laughs> I would like to think that somebody would notice something different, something a little bit more, I don't know, flattering about me than, than I like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat. There you go. Hey. That's that's how they left hey. it, and that they didn't elaborate I, on that. It just ended, and I to this day I, want to know 
And so I often say what someone said about me is I like to eat. And that's what I know about myself. I mean, it's true. there, there are worse <laughs> things to be known for. That's true. That's true. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Uh, when I, when I was, um, <laughs> when I was interviewing to come down here to North Carolina an hour before I had my video interview, I walked full speed into a door jam and broke my, my middle toe of my, of one of my feet. And that was right around like January or February. And I was, I, I had this crazy notion that I was going to run a thousand miles that year. Uh, and then suddenly had to take eight weeks off because I had a broken toe. So <laughs> I'm not sure which one I would choose that's just so because awesome. I have stubbed my toe to the point where it broke. So that's always in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, if it's less than that, where I've not broken toe, then I probably would choose yeah. to stub my toe. But if it's if I break my toe for stubbing it, then probably I'll do the mouth yeah. thing. You could just I mean I would just stop eating breakfast. Yeah. There's always an there's always an out. There's always a loophole. I didn't even brainwork that one, so that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming back by the Vet Tech Cafe. Uh, we always really enjoy the conversation. It's great to hear what you're doing and you know much continued success with the books and with veterinary team training. It's really awesome to to see everything that you're putting out, and I think it's from what I see in the discussion forums and things online, it sounds like it's actually reaching and helping a lot of people, which is amazing because as we all know there is so much work to do in our field and uh any help anybody can provide is is wonderful especially from the leadership and management perspective so thank you so much for coming by and talking about it thanks for all you're doing really enjoyed the conversation and uh i probably won't get to see you anytime before but hopefully at ivex yeah. next year yes we'll definitely see you guys then so thank you so much again for having me really all right it. absolutely you bet caffeinators merry christmas tis the season and uh actually we're gonna have after this another episode on christmas day something special for you guys planned there so keep an eye out for that and we will talk to you guys again soon bye everybody hello caffeinators we wanted to thank dog days consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the vet tech cafe they don't just do social media, they can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.